Welcome to the Looney Engineering Podcast. My name is Chris Naismith. I'm Andrew Clarkson. Today we're going to be talking about something that uh, we both get a lot of questions about. You hear this a lot on uh, on LinkedIn uh, when people ask for coffee chats, but it's a question you've probably thought of too, and that's when am I ready to start applying for jobs? Yeah. So where do you want to start first, Andrew? Do you want to start talking about like first job or just a job in general? Yeah, I don't know. Who's done this more recently? When did you, how long have you been on Hopper? Seven, eight months. So you're, you're the newbie. I'm the most recent. All right, let's start yeah. with that then. That's like the coin flip. So I think this is one that's really important when you're learning, but you're, you're right. You bring up a good point there already that this is something that you think of in the next job and the next job, like when should you start looking for that next job? Um, but when do I start looking for my first job? Um, this is a big one because it ties into so many things, but first off, like, how do you know that you're ready? There's no like, oh, I've graduated, uh, a university CS degree. Yeah. I guess you've got the, like, I've graduated boot camp, but you hear so many people coming out feeling super unprepared. Yeah. I think ultimately it depends on which company that you're applying to. You know, some, some companies will be better equipped to handle that fresh bootcamp grad um, that have seemingly their own sort of like in-house bootcamp program. But I would say on, well, I, I don't think that there's any right answer. I think one, if you're going to be applying to jobs, you have to be in the right mental headspace because as a lot of people know, the skills on the job are not the same skills that you use to apply for a job. I saw a meme yesterday about that and it was something about it's wild how the skills to land a job and the skills to do the job are entirely different. I don't think that's more pronounced anywhere else. Yep. Yeah. And one of the, I think what sort of happens is when you start applying for jobs, you start to realize how little, you know, uh, which can sometimes sort of cause a feedback loop. Um, you know, you end up applying for jobs, you realize, oh, I'm not ready yet. And then you go back to the learning sort of phase. And then you learn a bit, you go applying for jobs, and hopefully you know more than you did the last time. And I think you have those those potentially bad experiences in between. You have the bad interview, you have an interviewer that kind of gives you a weird look when you don't know something. And so you can start to kind of feel like you're not supposed to be there. Um, and everyone goes in different. Everyone learns something a little different in boot camp, or if they're self-taught or where they're coming from. And every company's different. Like none of this is standardized. You hear so many people complain about the job process with very, very good reason, but nothing is standardized. You're not going to go to one company and have the same experience as the other. You might get hired at one company with one interview and it might be amazing. And you might do six at another and it might be a terrible job or you might be a bad fit. I, and the other thing is I think companies are really bad at hiring. So there's a lot of things going on. For someone that's trying to figure out if it's time to apply to their first job or, you know, start applying, it can be uh, a touch bit overwhelming because if the other side doesn't know what they want or they're chaotic. Like how can you expect to know how you're doing during that interview process? You might actually be doing totally fine. And the company is just really bad at communicating that. The feedback, there's definitely not enough feedback, but to answer the question, I think you are, you probably are ready to apply for jobs, no matter what it is, no matter, unless you literally like we're doing hello world, like last month, 
you're probably ready to start. Um, but there's a lot of things that need to be taken into consideration. Um, seeing, do you actually have these skill sets? Um, setting out kind of your goals and expectations. If you're like, hey, I'm going to get a job in one month in this industry as a junior, you're probably setting yourself up for a lot of disappointment. I think I think you could be setting yourself up for failure, but I also think that it depends on the type of person. Um, you know, I think you are a very ambitious person. And when that's actually something that I really admired about you and why I wanted to be a part of your network is I saw how much work you were putting in on a daily basis and grinding. And I don't like, I don't want to um, make that sort of like grinding mindset. I'm, I'm very against grinding culture in general. Um, but I saw that you were putting the work in. You weren't expecting to find some sort of shortcut to a six-figure job kind of thing. You know, you were willing to put in the work, understand what was happening. And I think also just being passionate about it. And I, while not having interviewed you, have a feeling that that is what would have been reflected in an interview is your past life skills that were non-technical, um, your technical short-term experience, your passion for it. And being able to see that like Andrew a year from now is probably going to be a top performer, even though lacking a lot of the like formal experience. I hope that's exactly how it came through. I'll, uh, I'll have to poke the people who interviewed me and I'll get Nancy on that. <laughs> <laughs> for for a future episode. They always give me amazing feedback. Like, oh, we're so happy you're here. Like you, you crushed the interview and I'm like, it was terrifying. Um, you're right, though. It, it really does depend on the person. And and I do see people regularly, like, give me a job, give me a job, I have this. But I think a lot of that comes from these, like, huge, huge promises that you see out there, and like boot camps of people who are successful TikTokers. You get a lot of that um, survivorship bias, like, I made it, you can do it. I mean, I'm super guilty of that. I tell everyone, like, you can absolutely do this. I think anyone can get into this industry. It doesn't mean everyone's going to be good at it. But I think anyone can definitely learn it and and start at this. And when I see people that are really out there, I think it's the same thing. Like I see them grinding, I see them crushing, I see them really working hard. And I'm the same way. I'm not quite as against the grind culture, but at the same time, I'm big on the balance. So when I see people out there really pushing, like really working hard, especially there's a few people I see out there that I, I see a lot of kind of my journey in it in them. And and I'm like, you're gonna be successful. You can't not. The way you're going about it, if you do it long enough, you're going to win. Yeah. And there was, uh, it, this is advice that I've heard for products is if you don't, if, if you're not embarrassed by your first launch of a product, you release too late. And I feel it's very similar when it comes to, I, I, I take that advice for a lot of things, but interviewing would be one. If you feel like you're a hundred percent prepared for interviewing, you probably should have started interviewing before. And the big reason for that. Um, as we mentioned, is feedback. And so if you start interviewing and you're not comfortable with it, you're probably going to have insecurities about areas that you you feel you're lacking. And what should happen is you should be able to interview and either have those insecurities confirmed that you know, you're lacking areas, or may, maybe people are like, no, you're totally fine. You, you don't need to have that much experience in this area as a junior or, you know, whatever skill level that you're at. And so I think doing a couple interviews um, early on in your career, they're like as, as early on impossible uh, for your career, 
is probably beneficial because it will allow you to create a tailored plan on where to prepare for future interviews. And that's a really good segue into kind of actually answering those different things because everyone's going to be different as to when you actually feel prepared. And, and a story that I've told before is I wanted to have my first full stack project completed. And at that point, that was when I felt prepared myself. I had uh, learned a couple different languages. I had a few small projects, but it wasn't until I had that one full stack project end to end, I had built everything. Then I felt prepared. Looking back, exactly what you say, if you're not embarrassed of that first iteration, looking back, I was woefully underprepared. I was just like, what was I doing? But that was what gave me my start. That was the kind of like, okay, let's do this. Like, let's actually start looking for work. So, so that's, that's a lot about the, like, uh, the junior job hunt. That's the going from nothing, going from scratch. And, and I know there's lots of other things that we'll talk about on that front, but let's talk a little bit more about that second, third, fourth, 10th job. How do you know you're ready to leave maybe a job that you really like, maybe some people at a company that you really enjoy working for, but when's it time for you to start applying and step up and, and go for that next role? Yeah, um, there is probably more reasons to look for your N plus one job than for your first job. Uh, for myself, uh, like looking through my career the first time, um, I felt like I wasn't being compensated enough for the work that I was doing or the value that I was providing in that role. So that's what pushed me to look for my second job was essentially more money. Um, I had <laughs> I had student debts I needed to pay off. I was looking to start renting an apartment with my girlfriend at the time. So it made a lot of sense to make more money so that I could afford things. Um, but other reasons why I've ended up leaving places is not being challenged enough. I've sometimes gotten into a place and your onboarding process I find can be sometimes the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The most intense uh, part of the job is that like first three months. Mm -hmm. But somewhere between like three to six months, you're usually, you've, you found your groove and you're, you're moving along. And then I find usually around the one year mark is where you start to feel comfortable. You know, the systems, you know, the people to talk to, you know, how this connects and that connects. And you don't necessarily know everything. You're not perfect, but you have a really good working understanding of the technical side of things. And then that's where I start to get bored. If there's not enough outside challenge. And so that's where I, as an intermediate, started looking into more senior roles because I wasn't as, not that I wasn't interested in the tech, but I was interested in more than just the tech. I wanted to be able to um, steer the technical um, decisions going forward and not just like writing code in order to meet a feature and stuff like that. You just wanted your soapbox so you could stand up and tell everyone else what you wanted to build. Guys, this is what we should build. Like yeah. yeah, that makes sense though. It's not it's not always about the money. It's not just this industry. You're typically making pretty good money. Yeah. Um but then there there's other things like coworkers. Um mm -hmm. one of one of the reasons that I left a, a job was because I had a pretty poor coworker. I didn't work directly with this person, but they were probably the, the, <laughs> the worst human being that I've ever worked with. And it was so extreme that imagine someone that's not on your team that still makes you hate working there. 
and you're not interfacing with them on a regular basis. Like <laughs> that is, is uh, a lot. That's, so that's an impressive level. I've part of why I've left a, a previous company way back when was that my, my work partner, like the person that I was like glued to the hip with every day, but that, that's impressive. Yep. Um, and for context for our listeners, I think I've had, I want to say eight, eight or nine professional, um, jobs as a software engineer. Okay. So I've, I've, I've left a, a fair amount of roles all for various reasons. Um, but okay. I had, I had a, where was I going with that? It was, um, yeah, oh, the, the other reason why I ended up leaving a couple of roles was it was a startup. And one of the things that had happened is we had gotten to the end of our term sheet and we, they were trying to like do a new round of fundraising and that was starting to look really shaky and being at a company for a short amount of time, I think I was only there for, you know, five, six months when I started looking elsewhere, because I was, I would say I was less than enthusiastic in the product that we were building. I wasn't necessarily sure that we were building the right product and when you're not sure if in a couple months you're actually going to have a paycheck causes you very quickly to start looking elsewhere. Um, so that, that would, I would say would be a perfect reason to look elsewhere where it's, it's not because you're not making enough, but it's because you're concerned that you won't make anything at some point. That's, that's important. And that goes to the, uh, the offsided advice of uh, watch out for number one. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you do have to watch out for yourself. Um, and then uh, the other thing, which is really great once you start having enough experience in your career is people start coming to you with roles. You'll have various recruiters reach out. I've interviewed for tons of roles that I haven't ever gotten or I ended up turning turning down. But I'll, I've had recruiters reach out to me for, hey, we're looking for senior front-end engineer um, for our team here at X. Uh, would you like to interview? And I'm one of those people, uh, except for right now, I would almost take every single interview. And it was never for because I was unhappy in my job. It was, let me interview, let me make the connection. And if maybe six months down the road, I'm finally unhappy at my job, I've made that connection, I've interviewed there. And I can say, hey, the time at when we interviewed, it wasn't right for me, but it's right for me now. And I actually like that. I think companies should too. I'm going to go on a, a little bit of a, a bend here, but um, if you're staying somewhere, it is because you're happy. You see so many people. I have know so many people that stay at their jobs because they can't find anything better because the the money's okay because of any, any amount of reasons, but they're really not happy at their job. So they're not really not there putting it all in. They're not excited about it. But when you have people that, at any moment can just go elsewhere that are consistently getting offers. Like that means, you know, you have good people. And if they're staying with you, that speaks volumes too. Exactly. And I know that we're not doing like the most important work in the world, right? What are you um, talking about? <laughs> but uh, you're familiar, I'm assuming with the New Zealand prime minister um, yes. who resigned somewhat recently when we're recording this at the time. Yeah. Um, like and one of the things that she said was, I don't have enough gas in the tank in order to do this. And 
you know, that's, that's burnout. And if you start to feel that you don't feel like you have enough for the role and it depends, right? Like if, if you're not enjoying the role and you want to find a role that is rewarding, do it. Um, but also don't feel like you have to be the most enthusiastic about the work. It's fine to just do your nine to five and clock out. Um, but it will feel much less like work if you're uh, enjoying what you're doing. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And that's something I'm experiencing right now. I've gone from uh, from where I was working before, where I was super burnt out, to now. I'm excited to get up and log in. And, like, I know that I, I expect that won't last forever. If it does, that'd be amazing. But, like, there'll be each a point where, hey, it's just work. You just go in, you do your thing. But, like, right now I'm excited. Like, on the weekends, I'm even like, oh, what's going on next week? And, like, it's that super green rookie, like, this is fun and new and shiny. And so I know it wears off at some point, but it's nice looking forward and to your work and like actually enjoying what you do, feeling like you, you do something, not just you you show up and sell car parts. Like that's what it was before. Exactly. And I'm sure that it was the repetitiveness of it as well. You know, you sell a car part to someone, that person leaves, someone comes in the next day, they say, I want this car part. And you're like, let me get that for you. And, you know, <laughs> it, <laughs> there, there's never, um, that's at least what I like about software engineering is you get to build off of what you built before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you build a feature and then, you know, it comes back maybe a couple of weeks later and they're like, oh, we want to add to that feature. We want to add a new feature that complements it and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, you're not just restarting from scratch every single time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not building a new small business. I mean, some people do this. It's not that like small business, three-page website every single time. It's over and over, iterating, building, making things bigger and badder. And yeah, it's pretty cool. It's something that my neighbor asked me about. They're like, what do you guys even do? Like, how is it possible that so many of you do so much work all the time? And when I started, I'm like, honestly, I have no idea. So let's, uh, let's get into maybe the opposite side. Where, where can you start to recognize that maybe it's not the right time for you to apply to a job without giving just the opposite advice? And this is one that actually, I think, funnily enough, like, not funnily enough, but definitely applies to me and probably you where you are right now. Um, I got the advice when I started out, like, from so many people. A year in, start looking. A year in, start looking. And I, I, I get it. It's probably going to be a thing later on but like right now i'm just so taken with it all I, I can't imagine it um so i think that's that's a big one if you're truly excited about your work and your team and what you're doing and, and where you're at i think that's a good reason to not just be looking for the next best thing just for the sake of it i i agree um i think if you're happy you're engaged in your role you're challenged in your role you still feel like there's growth in your role, which is also another reason to, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you feel like you might have hit a ceiling in what you're, um, yeah. The, the other thing that I would say is if you, you know, you start getting a fair amount of rejections and not the like canned mm -hmm. rejections, but in actual personal rejection, which would be, well, I'd say any form of rejection, there might be something that's there. Um, with either in your control or not but if uh if you're applying to roles and you're just getting rejection letters not immediately but let's say without an interview there might be some like resume restructuring that you should probably be doing maybe maybe not maybe 
you know, you just don't have enough experience for what they're looking for and you're replying to the wrong roles. But I would say if you're getting rejections in 24 hours for junior developer roles, probably it's the resume. Yeah. And that's actually, that goes on a few different things. I want to go on junior and not junior here. Um, because when you're looking for your first role at every single level, there's something that if you're getting rejected, like once you keep hitting your head against something, it's important to step back and look at what you're doing. So if you're applying for jobs, you're putting your resume and you're getting those very quick reply, those very quick rejections, like you say, there's something wrong with your resume. If you're getting to the first phone screen and then they keep booting you, okay, what's going on there? If you're getting to the first interview and then you keep losing there, what's going on there? If you're getting to the technical interview and you're rejected there, like these are all things that you at that point, okay, that's something that I can fix. That's something that I can be better at. Um, yeah. Have you ever way. seen those charts that people make of their interview processes? And it's, I can't, I don't know the, the name of the chart, but it will show, I think it's like a funnel chart or something. And it will show how many interviews they had and then getting, getting to the phone screening, getting to the onsite, getting mm -hmm. to the offer. And it'll okay. show like where they ended up stopping. And usually if someone did like, let's say 40, 40 to 80 interviews, roughly in there, um, possibly only like two or three of them would get to the offer stage. Mm -hmm. And this is the same candidate at every place. So. Okay. Yeah, it's that, that I've not seen those uh, to answer your question, but that's interesting. I'm going to look for that. Um, but the same thing goes for, uh, for your non-juniors. So when you're looking for your, your next role as a junior, when you're looking for that intermediate senior lead as you're moving up, um, I really like the point. I want to iterate on the point that you you made there about if you were applying for these roles and it's just going nowhere, you've really got to look inward for a second and be like, wait, am I am I jumping the gun here? Am I getting ahead of myself? Uh, am I actually prepared for this? Uh, I see a lot of people. We always see the the job announcements on LinkedIn, um, and and some people level up very quickly. It really depends on the company. But if you're that junior trying to get that intermediate role after like six months and you keep getting rejected, there's probably a pretty good reason. You just don't have the skill set yet. Exactly. And one thing that I will say is while a lot of the skills that you learn can be transferable, you also have to recognize that job titles have different meanings at different places. And what is an intermediate at one place might be a junior elsewhere and vice versa. Um, you know, the expectations can be a lot higher to roles that you're applying to and you don't have that context. So if you're getting rejected for a role for intermediates after six months experience, yeah, they, they might be expecting an intermediate has two years of experience equivalent or is, you know, like a really kick-ass candidate, which is what we do like pretty similar at Hopper, like we, we don't have like a years of experience requirement for roles, but when we're interviewing for a senior candidate, we expect them to be a senior candidate. We're not talking like you're two, three years into your career and you were given the job title of senior at some startup. Like, no, we expect you to be able to be a solid contributor, um, be able to mentor people that are either at the same level as you or below you. And that when given a task that you're able to usually like achieve it pretty much independently. Yeah, that makes sense. You're actually looking for leaders, not just whoever's been there the longest. 
Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. years of experience is a awful metric. You know, someone that's doing Squarespace WordPress websites for 10 years does not have the same amount of experience as someone that's been building custom, you know, Rails apps for even like two years. Right. Very different experience levels, very different uh, everything. And on the opposite of that spectrum, I see some people, I've actually got a friend who got uh, their second or third role, and they're very unhappy with the title of junior, but the work they're doing is not junior work. And they have leveled up so far. It's, it's absolutely wild to see. And so they had messaged me, and we were talking about this a little bit, because I kind of checked in on how things going, a new job and all that sort of stuff. And they weren't super happy with that, but that was... There were a couple issues, but that was a big one. And I was like, you're not a junior, though. Are you, are you being paid? Well, how are you being paid? They told me. I was like, it's a hell of a good salary. Yeah, yeah I'm really happy with it. Okay. And the work that you're doing, yeah, it's, it's challenging. It's awesome work. I, I love it. Okay. So, like, what's the issue? There are a few coworker issues, but I was like, the actual job. I just don't like the junior title. I really wouldn't worry about it. Because when you bring that to the next, like, look at all these things that I've been doing to the, your resume on your next application in a year or two, they're going to be like, wow, like what they've been doing, that was not junior work. Anyone who's in this industry can recognize that. And I, I'm not going to say lie, but you can choose to change your job title on your resume to better reflect the work that you are doing. And that is how I sort of got a senior title um, by by accident. <laughs> I was working at a company. I was hired as a, I think it was just software developer was my job title. And then we were on a conference call with um, a company and they were introducing the team because this was an agency that I was working at. And it got to me and they said, this is Chris. He's one of our senior developers here. And uh I was like, oh, senior developer. Interesting. That's news to me. Sounds <laughs> of that. Yeah, I like, the, I like that. So uh, immediately that day, of course, I went to my resume and my LinkedIn. <laughs> and I switched software developer to uh, senior developer. Um, but when I, when I interviewed, just having, like, I'm not saying to, like, lie and say, like, I'm a senior developer when I'm not. No, you're not. Yes. But the your job title that is on paper does not necessarily reflect the role that you do or the impact that you have in your role. Cause I see some people, there's been people that we both know who are literally juniors and within a year they end up becoming a team lead. Mm -hmm. And that is a little bit concerning to me because I would be concerned that someone with one year experience doesn't have enough understanding in order to actually successfully lead a team different topic for a different day. Um, but, um, your job title is different than what you actually do. And so that's why I tried to normalize my job titles on both LinkedIn and my resume, because those job titles are more important for recruiters and other people to find you based on your job title than what it actually is. You know, when they do possibly a background check and they see, Oh, Chris worked at universe not that i did i'm just <laughs> uh the okay. chris worked at universe as a junior developer for seven months and they're like okay they're not going to be like making sure that your resume matched 100 percent. right that's pretty that's not uh up for question really. that's kind of easy 
Now I see people doing the opposite of this and they end up in a startup and they end up um, as it might be team lead after six or eight months. Or the other one is the, I'm the CTO of a company that I started. And it's like, yeah, that that's great, dude. You absolutely were that thing. And that's cool. But I think people are burning themselves when they do that, when they use that as their potential experience. If they're like, I was CTO of my own company. It's like, you're probably as as cool as that sounds, you're probably going to get more traction out there. If you just say you were a software developer, if you're looking for an early career role. Yeah. Like I am the CTO of Chris's WordPress agency website or company where we make websites for mom and pop bakeries, you know, like what does being a CTO of that mean? Like, there, there's a certain understanding that roles have certain responsibilities and calling yourself a CTO or a head of engineering, again, for <laughs> a one-person company doesn't mean anything. Right, because um, I mean, you're just as just as truly the, the janitor yeah. <laughs> or the marketing or not to say that one's higher or lower, lower than the other, but you know what I'm saying? It's totally, you did it all, but you're really only picking the top one. So it's exactly what you're saying. It's kind of normalizing, but it's just in the other direction. Make yeah. it work for you. The other, and outside of, you know, money and all these other sort of things, I I would say when you know that it's time to start applying for jobs is when you want a change, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I think that it's perfectly reasonable to want change. You know, you, you can be in a role you're comfortable, um, you're paid well, you're happy, you know, at, at the company, you don't, you don't have any like major issues, but I think it's just fine to want change. I'm one of those people that I get bored. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think just wanting something different, is totally reasonable. And it's not that, oh, the grass is greener on the other side, but I have found by working at a lot of companies, I've gained a lot of insight into a lot of different organizations and how they um, develop software. And that has been very useful because sometimes you join a company, you see that person that's been there for five, 10 years, and they're doing things the same way that they did five to 10 years ago. I actually, uh, and this is speaking to that CTO of a single company, we had interviewed a candidate at a place. He had 10 years experience. And in, this was just two years ago, he was FTPing PHP files onto a bare metal server in order to update them. He was not using source control. So no Git, no anything. Um, He had no backups. There was no automation. There was no testing. There was no, like, there was no anything. Everything was configured manually. And I don't want to say that that if it works, it works, right? Like that, that is ultimately what's important. But in the case that something were to happen, man, he, he would have lost everything. If, if his computer died at the same time as the server died, like why, why put yourself into that situation where you have to scramble? And so that was a situation where he had a lot of experience um, he was looking for change and I think he was looking to learn, but he was applying to a senior role when he had zero working knowledge of how source control worked. And I was just shocked at someone with 10 years experience, not being able to do that. 
Yeah, it kind of it speaks to a few different things. And and the first off is that person in your world is pretty much junior or potentially a little bit earlier than that. Like you don't even have these basic skills that you absolutely need. Um, but they're obviously a brilliant person just in a, a slightly removed world. So you, you, yeah, like this guy could, this guy could write PHP. Mm -hmm. There was no doubt about it. And I was like, that's great, but I'm not necessarily looking for someone that only writes PHP. I'm looking for someone that has these other skills and it, to the, to the case of PHP, it was something that we were wanting to move away from. We were wanting to use other sort of languages. So having 10 years of PHP experience, because he didn't have other transferable skills, there was a concern, would he be able to transfer his PHP skills to something else? Right, because you haven't shown that, and this is something you hear a lot, you haven't shown that, um, that attitude of, and whole, um, <clears throat> cut this out because I can't remember the word, yeah. initiative initiative but like growing wanting to learn um there's a word for that growth mindset yeah that's the one um you can restart like you knew what you were saying now yeah exactly um so and that speaks to uh some other things as well um if you've got somebody who's only done that kind of one thing for so long and doesn't even have proof of other things they've done um they maybe lack that growth mindset. They maybe lack the real initiative to go out and learn new things. Are they really stuck in their ways? And in most modern tech companies, that's not going to fly. You need people who are ready to change, ready to do new things, like do what it takes in order to be successful. And that person just might not have been a good fit beyond their technical skills. Yeah, agreed. And I think coming back to it, I, I don't really remember the amount of feedback that we provided the candidate, but this would be a great opportunity if you are wanting to interview, right? And you're, you're this person getting that feedback to say, Hey, you're missing these like very critical skills that we deem as they're not, you know, a nice to have, this is an actual hard requirement. Um, and just being able to, uh, to have that feedback and then being able to address that as someone that is wanting to interview, because I'd say not knowing source control is going to be a deal breaker at probably like 90, 95% of companies. Exactly. Any modern tech company anyways. Now, pause, where was it? Delete, delete, delete. Um, Oh, so we, again, going on the uh, when when might it be time, other reasons that you would leave. Um, lots of times, like you say, it's not going to be the company. Specific advice that I have received is once you feel like you have learned like 80% of what the role has to offer, that's a good time to start thinking about the next place. And it speaks exactly to what you're saying. There's a point where you need to be learning other things staying somewhere and becoming super stagnant there it's funny because in pretty much every other industry in the world not the stagnant but the like being comfortable having that like good job that pays well and you're happy and the advice would be where why are you trying to leave like that's a great job you have but here it's like no you need to keep learning because if you don't you're almost taking away from yourself and your future jobs by not having that additional experience and i think this is a little more of an early career thing like obviously a senior is not going to be looking to or a lead's not going to be looking to leave because they know 80% of the things they're moving on to a different part of their career. But 
this advice, I, I believe um, I was told basically in your first like four or five years, as soon as you are at that point where you, you're, what you said at the beginning is you're getting comfortable, you're getting good at it. Now it's time for a new challenge. Yeah. And to expand off of that, um, I am really big on making sure that roles stay open. So, and to, I feel like I explained that awfully. So to give more context, um, when, when you join a company, um, they're, they've already budgeted for a specific role. So let's say like junior, intermediate, senior, whatever it is. Um, it is not super common where you can, they are going to budget for upgrading you to the next level. Um, so that's right. where I talk about having a ceiling, right? So you have, they have an open junior role, you come in a year or two down the road, you're no longer a junior. Maybe they have the budget to up you to an intermediate. But what I find is usually more successful is you end up leaving to another company and then boom, that junior role that you applied to is now open again for someone else to sort of take your spot. Um, mm. and the cycle sort of repeats. So I sort of like that, um, way of doing it. I also think that companies, um, this is again, different thought, but that companies, if they have a junior position and someone goes to intermediate level, they shouldn't go from like that junior position shouldn't just disappear because it was taken before that junior spot should become available when someone gets promoted to intermediate, but it's a very uh, holistic view of it all, of yeah. it all, the world turns. But yeah, the, you know, you progressed and so you can go somewhere else. And th I've worked at places where the budget isn't large enough in order to have mm -hmm. a whole bunch of roles. And so really the only position that is available is a junior. Right. And because you don't have such high turnover in your more senior roles, it still works. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or you're so small that the only role that you can kind of support is a junior. Mm -hmm. Yep, makes sense. And it's exactly that. They might just not be able to afford it. And that doesn't say anything to your own value. That is just kind of the way it is sometimes. That's been Looney Engineering with Andrew and I discussing how to know when it's time to apply for a job. I want to thank you for listening and please rate us on various podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google. And any last words, Andrew? Yeah, definitely. Please. Um, that, that really helps us out. And if you've got any feedback, anything you want to hear us talk about, we've gotten some really great feedback from you all so far. Um, if you've got an idea for a future show, um, I've already got people asking if they can come on and be a guest. So I guess we've got to get into that at some point, um, which will be really fun. But, but that sort of thing. Um, we've got a whole list of what we want to talk about, but definitely open to hear what you'd like us to talk about and uh, really appreciate you listening.